0: Most churches are non-smoking, but in Isaiah chapter 6, it says that the house was filled with smoke. Amen? (laughs) Praise God. I like churches that are filled with smoke, where the glory of God is. Amen. I must admit, I am, well, Beth and I are members at a Baptist church in South Surrey, um, but essentially I am, uh, we are classical Pentecostals. Um, I don't know if you know what that means. Yes. Um, does it mean I'm a Pentecostal who listens to classical music? Um, <laughs> mind you, I love Beethoven, one of my heroes, uh, that he could write all that music, and he was deaf at the end. I mean, absolutely amazing. But having said that, um, I'm honoured to be here with you, with my dear wife of 51 years. Oh, we got, we oh. got married, we've been married for over 50 years, amen which I'm I'm sure there are others who may have been married longer than that. But um, uh, Beth and I met at London University in England. Um, Beth was studying English, and I was studying Beth. Um, (laughs) I actually ended up with a degree in chemistry, physics, maths, and technical German, uh, to her English. Um, and uh, we got married after university. But the reason why we're in Canada is that I've always been a Canadian because my father was a Canadian soldier uh, from St. John, New Brunswick in the Second World War. Um, we, we go back a few generations in St. John, New Brunswick. Um, and uh, I guess the call of God to Canada came in 1988 and um, I ended up pastoring in, uh, at West Coast Christian Fellowship in East Vancouver. We After a number of years, we planted a church in Metrotown, which is the very center of uh, Metro Vancouver. And uh, after major heart surgery, uh, at the age of 64 or 65, I retired eventually, um, but. The trouble was that the surgeon said, "After my heart surgery, you're good for another twenty years." So uh, that was ten years ago. So um, you know, I'm I've been retired but refired, Amen. and um, you know, uh, basically, um, most people are human beings. I'm a human doing. I love doing things. I'm the sort of person, I wake up in the morning, I seek the Lord, and then I make a list of all the things that the Lord wants me to do that day, and then I get great pleasure from deleting them through the day. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's what makes me tick. I, I love uh, doing things and seeing things happen. And uh, one of the things I'm planning at the moment with a group of pastors and leaders, um, I mean... I, I I regret that I had a very... Um, I've, I've been a goody-goody. You know, I, I was nice to my parents. I did my homework. I got a degree. I married a, a, a very wonderful, stable wife. We had a very... You know, I think I had a... I had a very sort of stable upbringing until we had a misspent middle age. And um, I... Basically, I, I look back and I regret that I never went on marches or rallies or, or demonstrations. I've had a very quiet life. So I'm excited that this Saturday, at the, on the steps of the art gallery, we are expecting hundreds of people to a stand-up, speak-up rally. Um, we are going to be demonstrating, with opposition and media, glory to God for the freedom of speech in Canada and the rights of parents to bring up their children. And this is important because in Canada and America, uh, our rights are being obliterated and somebody needs to stand up and speak up. Amen? Amen? Amen. And who better than Christians who are baptised in the Holy Ghost with power and boldness. Amen? Are you if if the question is ever asked to you men are you a man or a mouse and if you answer where's the cheese you have missed it <laughs> amen <laughs> praise god pentecost is not for the shy or the nervous okay um, by the way i want to recognize apostle mel davis it's an honor to be in your presence sir and uh, to know the heritage that you have uh, left around the world, but especially here, and to have your family members. And uh, dear sisters, um, looking at you, I I just have to switch around what I was going to say, because you're from the southern states, right? Arkansas is in the south. Right, okay. Well, I would not be here today, were it not, for two young sisters from the south, from the state, of the, the state of Georgia. They were living near Atlanta in a place called Mason, and uh, these two sisters were in their early 20s. They were school teachers, and they had the summer uh, free. They had how many weeks? Six weeks, ten weeks free, where they would not be teaching. And they were good Christian girls, okay? Um, and they thought they would go to Chicago for the, for the summer. The only thing different about this, that this was the summer of 1910. The summer of 1910. And you need to know that there was a fresh experience of Pentecost in 1906 in Los Angeles on Azusa Street when the Spirit of God uh, filled a room probably about this size, a broken-down warehouse that had been an African Episcopal uh, church, but uh, it, then it had become a stable. Uh, but a room like this, a, a very ordinary, rude room, it wasn't a palace, it wasn't a, a, a cathedral. It was, it was just a wooden hall um, with nothing to shout about. Um, God came down in power. The, 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 the presence of God hung there. And people who came in proud were soon on their faces. Um, the Spirit of God was just in an awesome presence. And people came from all over the world in the next couple of years to receive, the, or to, to bask in the presence of God, as described in the Scripture, and, and to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And um, by, by that, you see, you need to know that the word baptism is a Greek word that was never properly translated into English. <laughs> because the word baptizo um, means to be soaked, to be drenched, to be immersed, to be plunged, to be dipped if you are baptised, you should know it. It has got nothing to do with sprinkling. Right. You, you understand? So when we're talking about the baptism in the Spirit, we're talking about the Spirit of God taking control. That you, the Spirit of God falls upon you. The Spirit of God comes upon you. You, you understand? Uh, unfortunately, most of us uh, are, are are comfortable with the sprinkling of the Spirit. My my friends, that's not good enough. On a Pentecost Sunday, you need to know that to be baptized in the Spirit means that you are soaked in it. And and, and look, you you know that the first Christian sermon in Acts chapter 2 said, we're not drunk. (laughs) We might look as though we're drunk, but we're not drunk. Because the pubs aren't open yet; it's only nine o'clock in the morning. That's how it started, my friends. Oh my goodness! So, um, in the Greek, also, if you were if you were tipsy, um, if you were drunk, you were thought to be baptized in wine. Okay, so the the, the real meaning of baptism uh, means you've had too much, and I say you can't have enough of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And, and let, me, let, me, let me give this... I must give this illustration, but very often in, in the Vancouver area, and it's true of the house we live in, uh, but houses are on two or three levels. And very often you go up the steps from the garden, from the front yard, you go up to the main floor, and there's a basement underneath. And many people who own houses let out their basements, Okay because they want to live in the living area and the bedrooms might be upstairs just like our house okay now we sold our house in Burnaby we bought a, a house with our son and daughter-in-law and their little baby and so we live in a legal basement we I know all about basement suites because we live in one for the last 3 years but the bonus is our granddaughter is upstairs, okay? Thanks. And she's learned how to come down the back stairs and deliver the mail. So, you know, no problem. I, I mean, we're very happy. Couldn't be happier, you know. Um, we're on tap babysitters. You know, you can turn us on just like that, and that's what we do. Praise God. When you're, I have found, <laughs> Brother Mel, that, that as you get older, And you have pastors' meetings, and if the pastors are a little bit older, do we talk about going to the nations? Do we talk about taking Vancouver by force? No, we we talk about our grandchildren. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. That's what it's all about. Amen. I've only got one. Oh, how jealous I am of some pastors who talk about the number of great grandchildren they've got. Perhaps you've got great grandchildren. I don't know. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> But you see, in these, in these houses, it's a bit like us. You know, we think we are the owners of the house, okay? And we have the Holy Spirit. Yes, in fact, the Holy Spirit is in our house. And the Holy Spirit has the basement suite. Now, you know what it's like when you've got people in the basement and the air vents come up. And you think, oh, my goodness, I can't stand the smell of their cooking. You don't want... You say, look, you're welcome here, but please, uh, go easy on the garlic. Please, um, <laughs> no loud music after 10 o'clock. You know, be careful who comes round. And, um, oh, and please don't use the garden. That's where we want to be. You know, so you, you treat the people downstairs. I mean, you're glad for their, you know, how much money uh, every month, um, and um, <laughs> But basically, they can be a little bit of a nuisance. <laughs> and I believe that very often we treat the Holy Spirit like that. That we are happy to be in the house. We're happy that, yes, the Holy Spirit's downstairs. And we're happy with that as long as he doesn't cause any trouble. <laughs> no speaking in tongues. No loud, <laughs> No loud... <laughs> No loud praying. <laughs> and um, we need to repent of that. Yeah, right. You see, the truth is that the Holy Spirit actually owns the house. That's right. And we deserve to be in the basement. That's right. And, and the, you see, the, the baptism, in one sense, means we are out of control. And uh, we need to be out of control. We need to let the Spirit of God be in control. Right. And if you've done uh, an honest uh, uh, sort of s- a study of the Acts of the Apostles, you will see that the Apostles hardly initiated anything. Even though they were brilliant people, gifted people, it was the Holy Spirit who steered them hither and thither. All they had to do was to obey, to hear, and to obey the will of God. And then to do it in the power of the Spirit. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And frankly, the church in the Lower Mainland, the Spirit level has been dialed down. There's a lot of good churches, a lot of good preaching, but we are not necessarily making an impact on our culture because we might have a form of religion, but we are lacking the power. We're lacking the power. Oh, my goodness. Dear God, have mercy upon us, Lord. God, we, we, we are honestly crying out to God for a move of God in this city. Amen. We need a move of God. But let me get back to Chicago. Chicago. Because this is this this is this has changed my life. These two sisters went to Chicago in the summer of nineteen ten, and William Durham, the apostle, had brought the message of Pentecost from Azusa Street to Chicago by that time. You understand? This was a transferable sticky anointing. In those days, people when they got it, they got it good and they could pray for other people who would get it and get it good. Um, And the sisters were told, if you go to Chicago, you must go to the Persian Young People's Mission, because the Spirit of God is moving there. Now, I find this strange, that Chicago, which would have been a big city in those days, with probably a majority of Caucasian people, but the hot spot in Chicago was a young person's Iranian-Persian meeting. Wow. Dear God, what are you saying? God chooses... Somebody said God's God's good, but he's not fair. I mean, God chooses. I tell you who he chooses. People who know they need God. People who are desperate for God. God who are are hungry for God, and people who have resolved the issue that when they know the will of God, they will do it. And and so these two sisters, they, they, they were from a wealthy background, um, but they went to this Persian young people's meeting, and they met with the power of God. They knew the power of God was there. Now, uh, interesting... After a number of weeks, they had still not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Susie um, Davis, uh, the Dave, I'm talking about the Davis sisters, can you believe? Are you sisters? No, no, no. No, 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 no. no. But, um, but if there are any more Davis sisters, God bless them. Um, these two Davis sisters were so hungry for God, but Susie felt a need to go back to school. But Caro Davis, who was the older one, with a very strong will, she said, I am not leaving Chicago until I receive this baptism in the Holy Spirit in power. Cut a long story short, she was zapped with the Holy Ghost and with power. She came back to Atlanta area. Her sister received the power, uh, the baptism in the spirit with power. And for the next few years, those two, two white girls were a scandal in the church in that area because they started house meetings and churches all over the place. And these two sisters were not afraid uh, to preach to men or even uh, to colored people, which was part of the scandal. They were a great influence. And what they would do, because they had the power of the Spirit, they would go on a street corner into a city uh, with a group of people, but they would preach the gospel. They would lay hands on the sick and see healings. They would cast out demons. A group would gather. A church would form, and they would hand that church over uh, to a pastor. These two sisters... Uh, In their day, I believe they were apostolic, they were prophets, and they were evangelistic. And they had a bit of pastoring and teaching in them as well. And I want you to know, especially the men, that Pentecost stands for the priesthood of all believers. Not the priesthood of all pastors, not the priesthood of all priests, but you, in Christ, are a kingdom <laughs> and a priesthood. You are the priesthood of all believers, including women. I have to say that because coming from a, a background where basically the men are the pastors, not that there's anything wrong with that, um, but women need to be recognized. And I believe in, 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 in recent years, God has shown that he is raising women up to the most influential and powerful levels. Sisters, as long as you, like men, are in submission to spiritual authority, that you've got someone in your life who can ask you awkward questions so that you don't get a bee in your bonnet and go off on a tangent, I believe that the fivefold ministry is as open to you as it is open to me. What is limiting you these days would be perhaps your desire, your passion for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I think of Amy Semple McPherson, who as a teenage young woman, she couldn't get on the train to go to school that day. She lived on a farm in the middle of nowhere in Ontario, and um, there was a snowstorm, and it shut the train down for a week. And she used that week to to seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. She fasted and prayed from Monday to Friday. By Friday, she had the anointing. Her house was filled with smoke. She was filled with the glory of God. And you need to know that this teenage young lady, Amy Semple McPherson, was the one who founded Angelus Temple in Los Angeles. And I believe... Um, by the time of her death, um, many years later, uh, there were hundreds of what is now called the four-square denomination. There are now 90,000 four-square churches around the world with eight and a half million people because this young lady said, I'm not leaving this house. I'm not going to eat anything till God baptizes me with the Holy Ghost and with power. So... Back in 1910, Sister Davis, Sister Caro Davis, Susie Davis, the Davis sisters, they were moving in power. And the wonderful thing is that a pastor in Maine of the Crabtree family, uh, later on the Crabtrees would become a famous family in Assemblies of God. But Pastor Crabtree went down to Georgia to visit these sisters and he encouraged them uh, in the early 1920s to come up to Maine and then they went into New Brunswick to St. John, New Brunswick. You need to know that in the summer of 1925, um, the the Davis sisters held a revival um, in a Baptist church for the summer. The Baptists rented it out Uh, for a few weeks. And it says in the history books that there was a sweet anointing upon the services and there was a healing anointing and people were blessed until it came to Labor Day. And on Labor Day, 1925, God tore the sky apart and the Holy Ghost came upon them. It just fell. Powerful. There was an outpouring of the Spirit of God And people were just slain in the spirit. The power of God was manifested. The house was filled with smoke. And the Baptist said, "Uh, um, thank you very much, but can we have our church back? Um, We weren't quite expecting this. So the saints went down the road and they rented a hall on Charlotte Street. And all I can say is that that full gospel assembly over the next number of years, planted out another 29 churches and sent people out all around the world. I came to that church in 1964, the summer of 64, uh, I guess about 40 years later. Caro Davis was now 80 years old. I'm proud to say that my first pastor was a spirit-filled woman. Amen? 80 years old. She had other pastors preaching in the church, one of them a crabtree. And um, this is what happened to me. And this is my personal testimony. I am visiting my grandfather in St. John, New Brunswick that summer. I am a bit of a know-it-all. I'm 19 to 20 years old. I'm a student at London University. I'm very clever, and I speak with an English accent. Um, and I think I know everything. Uh, my, my, my cousin Woodburn invited me to the full gospel assembly. The first time I went there, I thought they were mad. <laughs> the second time, I thought, well, at least they're sincere. They're sincerely mad. <laughs> and I determined that, no more, these crazy people. The church, it was a big church, and the pastor led the worship with a trombone and uh, in those days we were, they were singing a song like I Heard a Thousand Trumpets Praise the Name of Jesus something like that it was, it was amazing um, and um, I, I thought this is not for me and I had determined I would not go again but when Woodburn came round that Sunday afternoon at about 5.30 I'd already practiced i will say no I'm not going it's not for me but he said, he said to me Won't you come? And I said, all right. (laughs) I believe, I believe they must have been praying for me because I said against my will that I would come. That night, my friends, I, I went to the gospel service in the evening and it was a disaster for me to begin with because the pastor was preaching on the evils of space travel. Now this was 1964 and I'm a science student and he is completely missing it with me. There was no way I was going to get saved that night because I thought he just didn't know what he was talking about, you know? Halfway through his message, a brother stood up and thundered in an unknown tongue. He spoke in a language that was clearly a language. He spoke it loud and clear. The pastor stopped preaching. People started praying. I looked around. I had no idea what was going on. I knew that was a language. I could almost see the hieroglyphics in my mind's eye. And and I started to shake. The fear of God came upon me. And God was dealing with my pride, with my knowledge. And he was speaking to my spirit. And a lady behind me, gave the interpretation of that tongue. And it was as though Jesus was saying, you know, I stand at the door of your life and I'm knocking, David. I just knew that Jesus was alive. I knew I had an opportunity to follow him. I knew I might not get another opportunity. I knew I needed to come to Christ that night. And within within possibly two minutes, I went from being an agnostic to being a believer because of the power of God. Amen. Because of the power of God through tongues and interpretation. Because this church knew the moving and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They knew what God was doing. And you see, today, if that had happened, say at the church I've just come from, uh, two things would probably happen. The ushers would wrestle me to the ground and throw me out. <laughs> if I'd spoken in tongues, and I would be accused of interfering with the precious word of God. And the pastor, breathing a sigh of relief that I had left the church, would continue with his sermon. In those days, Pastor Crabtree knew that God had spoken, they knew the spirit of God had moved in power, and instead of trying to finish his sermon, he, 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 he did the appeal He went into the Salvation Appeal, and I was one of seven people who was glad to run to the front of the church that night and give my life to to Christ. I'm glad to say that over the next few weeks, this 80-year-old pastor lady, Sister Caro Davis, she would invite me round to her manse and open the books of the Bible to me. She knew I was only going to be there for a few weeks, and I can remember her going through the, through the Gospels and the epistles with me. But she knew that if I was going to go back to England, I needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that. Although, this church again was remarkable. It, it was called the Full Gospel Assembly. And by the way, I can remember talking to someone uh, in Kampala who used to drive past a Full Gospel Assembly... And this um, Englishman, he was with the British High Commission, he said, when he knew I was a pastor, he said to me, he said, what is the full gospel assembly? And can there be an assembly that isn't full? Can there be a half-full Christian assembly? Well, the full gospel, my friends, in those days, was that Jesus is our saviour, he's our Baptizer in the Holy Spirit, he's our healer, and he's our soon-coming king. Amen? That is what they call the full gospel, the four-square gospel. Amen? And, um, wow, I got saved in a full gospel assembly, and it was wonderful. Um, And they knew I had to be baptized. So I was invited to the manse. I know it was a Monday night, August the 24th, when, by the grace of God, they prayed for me. And... I just want to say that nobody ruffled my hair. nobody pushed me around, nobody told me to say blood repeatedly like blah blood, blah blood, blah blood, blah blah blah. No um, basically uh, they, they buried their faces about four or five people, friends of the pastor, buried their faces in their armchairs and told me to do the same and After about an hour, nothing had really happened. I was just cooperating with God and saying, God, you're wonderful, isn't that wonderful? Then at some point, it was about 20 to 9, having prayed for over an hour, friends, I have to tell you this, that something broke loose. And you see, Jesus said in Luke 24, verse 49, uh, in the King James, it says, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power on high and that's King James Tarry. Uh, Other versions today say, don't leave Jerusalem until, okay? But in those days, that word tarry meant wait, you know, hang in there, don't rush, don't leave. And um, I, I was basically tarrying for the Holy Spirit. And when I got back to England, I realized they had tarrying meetings where whole groups of people would wait upon God for this precious baptism. And at, at at twenty to nine something turned loose. I started from the depth of my being I started to laugh in the spirit. ho 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 ho. And it wasn't coming from here, it was coming from there. And 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 as I as as I yielded to the laughter, then I started to cry, Abba, Abba. And I started to say it so fast, Abba, Father, Abba, 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 I, I just went off like a machine gun. And then there were other tongues. And it was like the 4th of July. I went off like the 4th of July. And the people who were praying for me, I think they were rather impressed, you know, <laughs> that, that this wasn't one of those quiet ones, you know, but, but this young extrovert had sort of done them proud, you know. And... And my friends, I do, you just need to know that I received something that night which has stayed with me Amen. for 54 years. Amen. Amen. Amen? Hardly a day goes past. I, I hope hardly a day has ever gone past where I have not prayed in the Spirit. Amen? Yes. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Look, thank you, Jesus. I, I, I've got just a few minutes left before I must pray for you. But look, the promise of the Father is very simple. It comes in two parts. Did I have, I said that already? The first part is that God promised what he would do. The second part, he promised how he would do it. And the first part of the promise, and I I might not be going with the PowerPoint, but just, just bear with me, if it feels good, you can put it up, but, um, but, but when, when Abraham uh, obeyed God by being prepared to release his son, Isaac, as a sacrifice to God, God said, don't do it. Now I know that you fear me. I know that you have not held back your only son from me, and he said, I am going to bless you so much. And he promised not only that his descendants would be multiplied, but he said, and through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Not just the Jewish nation, you understand, not just Israel, but all the nations who are Gentiles and barbarians, you you see. So this is God's promise that something absolutely wonderful was going to come to people all over uh, the world. The second part of the promise, and you can find this, Joel chapter 2, verses uh, 27 and 28, is it, whatever. Um, The other part of how he was going to do this, uh, he says, Thus says the Lord, in those days, he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen? Amen? Glory to God. And he said... You know, your sons and daughters, they, they will prophesy. Where In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters. Why don't you say this with me? This is your word as well. Let's start at the beginning. Let's declare it. Because this promise is to you and to your children and to those who are far off. That's the message of Pentecost acts two let's say and in and in the last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams, yea, and on my men servants and my maidservants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they they shall prophesy. Wow! Amen. That's, that's... Amen. You see, God promised what he would do, and there he promises how he's going to do it. So when you come to Acts chapter 2, and the first message on the day of Pentecost of the newly formed Christian church in that, uh, in that form, uh, because Moses had his congregation, now Peter had a congregation praise God, this passage from Joel was clearly the fulfillment of the promise of the Father because the Holy Ghost came on them like a tongue of bricks. They were all speaking in various languages and no doubt tongues and people were freaked out. They wondered what all the fuss was about and Peter stood up and preached an anointed message to them. Glory to God. And he talked about uh, the... Pro- he basically said, Jesus, having been exalted, you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. Amen? And he said, this Jesus, now having been exalted and glorified and having received the, ho- the promise of the Holy Spirit, has poured it out upon you. So this was a fulfillment of the outpouring of the promise of the Holy Spirit. And, and so they cried. Uh, can I have the Acts two thirty two? What shall we do? i um, put my other glasses on and I can... And when they cried out, what... Uh, where are we? Um, uh, yes, it's, it's the last slide, actually. Number t- uh, 12. Um, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and and to all who are afar off. Now let let me make it clear um, uh, that the baptism in the Spirit follows faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and the gift of eternal life, where I believe the Holy Ghost is working in a very, very powerful way. But I believe, if I am to be truthful to the acts of the apostles and to the teaching of Scripture, even in the book of Galatians, (laughs) where where Paul in Galatians makes it very clear that the fulfillment uh, to Abraham of the promise was that the Gentiles would receive the Holy Spirit, but then, and you can, you can show, um, you can show this, uh, this verse. Where are we? Um, ver- uh, number six. Can, you, can we show number six? Galatians 3, 2 and 3. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works uh, of the uh, law or by hearing with faith? Are you foolish? Having begun with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? Next one. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? I want to close by making this point um, that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not really optional in Scripture. I don't believe it's optional. I don't believe it's the deeper life. I don't believe it's Something just for the few who are holy or good people or you know saints. Um, I believe it is basically Christianity 101. I believe as Moses cried, Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets! Well, this is the fulfillment in Joel chapter 2 Pour out your my spirit upon all flesh, yes, even women oh my goodness, even the slave girls. Can you imagine the total revolution? A prophet could have got killed for saying this. He is basically saying, I am prophesying the abolition of Judaism as we know it. I'm abolishing the high priest. I'm abolishing the Levites and the priests. I'm abolishing the temple and the buildings and the clothing and the sacrifices. Because everyone's going to be holy, not just the high priest once a year going into the presence of God. Not only will the slave girls uh, see the presence of God, God will be in them. They will be the temple of the Holy Ghost. We don't need holy buildings because I am only going to have holy people, says the Lord. This is revolutionary. But my friends, the tragedy of church history, the tragedy perhaps of today in Vancouver, is that we want to go back to the holy buildings, to the holy priests, to the holy garments, to the stained glass. Oh my goodness, are we afraid to be revolutionaries? Uh, Will we grab the scripture with both hands and say, God, I, I... Give me this or I'll die. You know, um, you understand my passion here. Uh, I believe this is how it ought to be. And let me tell you, I mean, this is not to criticise anyone or to put anyone down. I I am not putting anyone down. I am calling you higher. Why should you live below your potential as a Christian? Why should you have a low level of desire and passion? Why should you not be excited, every one of you, and say, oh my goodness, that Carson, he's a madman, but I like what he's saying. Yeah. Look, here's the difference between, this is a generalization, between those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit and those who are not. And I come from a church that in, in South Surrey that doesn't preach the baptism. There are wonderful people doing a great work uh, much of that would leave Pentecostal churches in the dust, okay? But here's the thing. If you are baptised in the Spirit, I believe that you can, like I do, pray in the Spirit. If you do not have the gift of tongues and are released in the anointing of that gift, it is difficult to understand what praying in the Spirit is all about. Seriously. Seriously. I mean, when I run out of English, I thank God that I can move into the tongues of men and of angels. Glory to God. I can speak in tongues that the angels understand. Wow. Whoa. I can pray in the Spirit for things that I have no idea what to pray about, but it's necessary to pray about it. I believe that my calling at that church is to pray for the pastor. Because he is an anointed young man who is touching thousands and thousands of lives, and um, I believe that if I did nothing, res- nothing else for the rest of my life, but to pray for that man, uh, I would be doing enough. So I pray in the spirit for him. I pray the prayers that nobody else is praying for him, because I'm I'm praying. In the Spirit, according to the will of God. You, are, you understand? This is, the, this is the essence of it all. I can also sing in the Spirit. Yes. Glory to God. Singing in the Spirit, you hardly hear it in the church anymore. But friends, look at, look at 1 Corinthians 14. Look at church history, and you will see that when God is moving, oh, I'm a, uh, God is moving, he, singing in the Spirit, worshipping in the Spirit... Glory to God. Thank God for the anointing upon this assembly. God bless you guys. The presence of God is here. But could I say that it could be even more so? Glory to God. Every one of you in the Spirit. Glory to God. Intercession in the Spirit. I may have talked about that. But do you know, when you you are uh, yielded to the Spirit of God, I've found that there are perhaps four levels of, of praying, not just praying glory to God. But after you've been praying in the Spirit, say for a few minutes, and you might be praying in familiar tongues, then you get into, uh, God gives you, God gives me new tongues. I get into a flow, glory to God, where I am praying and and speaking uh, faster than I could possibly make the words come, you know, I'm just being a conduit, I'm just being an open channel for the Spirit of God to pray uh, through me, where the Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God, but then if you go deeper, glory to God, then you, 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 you my goodness, you are saying, perhaps speaking in tongues that you cannot imagine that it's ever a language, so you have to do it by faith, And then I think the final level that I've got to on occasion is when you can hardly speak, you can hardly breathe, you're probably on the floor by this time, making intercession with groans that cannot be uttered. Friends, uh, there are levels, there are, there, there, there are experiences in the Spirit of God that you possibly cannot imagine and possibly have never experienced. But I'm here this morning to say to you that if we truly understand Pentecost... We are like uh, children in a swimming pool. We are at the shallow end, my friend, uh, but there is a deep end. In fact, go to Ezekiel 47 and look at the river of God. Amen. Up to the ankles, up to the knees, up to the waist, and then, my friend, swimming in it. That's the baptism. And you go wherever the river goes. Wow. Um, glory to God. And also, if you're baptized in the Spirit, you should have power and you should have both. And you should be blessed because it says in the scripture, if someone prays in an unknown tongue, they edify themselves. One of the reasons why I have had great assurance of my faith and great assurance in the living God is because by praying in the spirit a lot... I build myself up in the Spirit, so I am edified, I'm built up, my friends. Why are you not built up? My friends, you need to be built up. And this is a simple way of of doing it. And the other thing that I have noticed with people who are baptised in the Spirit compared with those who are not, and that comes in the whole issue of divine healing and deliverance. For some reason, people who are baptised in the Spirit have less problem praying for the sick. Amen? In the name of Jesus, infirmity come out of him in Jesus' name. And, and, and deliverance, demons, um, wow. Uh, yes, can, can a Christian have a demon? Or can a demon have a Christian? I, again, you need to be very clear on what you're doing. But frankly, where you see someone who's demonized, uh, then you have the authority to cast that demon out. Go in the name of Jesus. Amen? Yeah. I mean, these are the virtues. These are, if you like, the, and the spiritual gifts. Oh, my goodness. The tongues is just the gateway into the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and, wow. So... Prophecy, amen, interpretation, miracles, faith to move mountains, glory to God. Do you know, the older I get, and I'm now very old, uh, but say the last 15, 20 years, as my influence has grown, what do I ask God for more than any other gift? (sighs) I ask for discernment of spirits and I ask for the word of wisdom. Amen. I need wisdom, and I need discernment. These Amen. are gifts of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, uh, the gift of discernment of spirits, all knowledge gifts. Then you've got the power gifts, uh, miracles, faith, uh, you, you know, wonders, dunamis, uh, what, whatever it is, we need it. Healings, the, gift of he- the gifts of healings is a power gift. Uh, not just singular; it's plural in the Greek. So, my friends, it's a package. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. It's all there, my friends, and this is what Pentecost is about. It's the promise of the Father, and He says in this last uh, in this last verse, He says, um, "For the promise is to you and to your children and to all." that are far off. You might feel that you're far away this morning. Are you far off? Have you have you sort of dragged yourself here this morning? Or is this possibly the, the last Sunday you were going to come? I'll go one more Sunday, then that's it. No, God is making his appeal to you. He has a promise for you. He's made a promise. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit. He wants to make his home with you and in you. He wants intimacy. He's looking for a family Amen. for his son. Yes. And I think I'm looking at it right now. Amen. My friends, I've gone on far too long and I haven't said what I really wanted to say, but I have really. I've just said it in a different order and mixed it all about. But I, I, again, I'm just in awe of ladies from the southern states and to know that it is young women like yourselves, who basically helped to set Canada on fire, who laid an inheritance in eastern Canada that has influenced people as far as England and back again to Vancouver because they wouldn't let go of the anointing. They wanted Pentecost and they wanted it bad and they got it bad. May you also do the same. Wow. Okay, I'm done. 10 minutes to go. Is it? Well, seven minutes. I, I would be very glad with your wonderful pastor to pray for people, uh, even as the service comes to an end and after the service, just to, perhaps with, with Apostle Mel as well, just to lay hands on people or, or to cry out to God for you that that you would perhaps spend the month of June seeking him, that by July you wouldn't just be saying a few words in tongues, but you'd be starting churches. Glory to God. Now what do we do? (laughs) Um, One thing
1: thing I'm thinking uh, from what Pastor Dave is just sharing with us that I would like to do. I... uh, We had talked about praying for people who want to come and receive the baptism of the Spirit. But I also feel from this word that Dave has shared that we need to pray for the church to be a church upon which the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And um, individuals, yes, and uh, we're going to do this. We're going to pray for the church and then will say Thank we are Lord. officially dismissed for those that need to go, but we, we are going to be here to pray uh, for people, to re- receive Thank the baptism Lord. of the Spirit. But I'd like to pray over Ooh. Compass Church for yeah. just the work that God is beginning today, as Dave has Ooh. shared, because my heart's Lord stirring that I want more, and I want us as a congregation yes. to be reaching yes. for more. Amen? Well, Yes. Really? Have we got as oh. much of Jesus as oh. we want?
0: Oh, no, oh. definitely
1: oh. not. And um, as oh. Dave oh. talked about Azusa oh. Street, yes. I heard that William Seymour, who was yeah. the sort of driving force, uh, humanly speaking, in that fellowship, he had said, if you come to Azusa Street and you leave talking just about tongues and things like that, he said, you've missed the point. If yeah. you leave and you're talking about Jesus, Amen. then you got it, because the Holy Spirit comes to glorify Jesus. He does that, and so I want us to want more of Jesus and to get more of the Holy Spirit So that we get more of Jesus, because that's who the Holy Spirit is presenting and disclosing to us. So let's pray. Let's stand, and we're going to pray together. If you would even just open yourself up, you know, stand in a posture with your hands up raised to receive. I want to pray for that for us as a congregation. Then... Uh, Ryan's going to play some music and there's a handful of us up here uh, Evelyn and Serena will come forward to pray Tracy maybe you wouldn't mind doing that um, uh, uh, Michael uh, Ryan if you guys would come to the front we're going to pray Pastor Mel we're going to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Spirit Father as a church we yeah. lift up our voices today and we thank you for the word that the promise of the Father
0: oh, is for
1: you hallelujah. and your children yes. and your children children, and to those who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. We count ourselves among those who are far off, Lord, those to the ends of the earth for whom the promise was made. And we want more of you, God. We want the fulfillment of your promise of pouring out The Holy Spirit that Jesus said, it's even better for you that I go because if I don't go, I won't send the Spirit. Because I go, I'll send Him. We thank you, God, that you've not left us as orphans, but that you've sent the Helper. You've sent the Holy Spirit, and we receive Him by faith the same way we receive forgiveness of sins. You promised. You've made good on your promise, and we open up our hearts today. If you would, just even speak out and say, Father, fill Compass Church with your Holy Spirit. Fill this church. Give more of your Spirit. Lift up your voice and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit today. Lift up your voice and even ask Him. Say, God, I don't have enough of Jesus. I don't have enough of your Spirit. I want more. Go ahead and you speak it out of your mouth today. Go ahead and speak it out and ask Him. Praise Him for the promise that He's made to you. Receive. We thank You for it, God. We thank You for the promise. We thank You for Him, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, coming in this place today. God, we open up in this place today and say we... We want oh, this God. to be yes. a fellowship, a family, oh, God. where the Holy Spirit is free to move, where we're not just controlling everything down to the minutia, where... It's all sealed up so tight that you can't do what you'd like to do, God. We ask you, God, to come and do in our midst what you desire in Jesus' name. We thank you for this word. I'm sure different parts of it, God, have stirred and been set off in the hearts of different people. I pray, Father God, that you would inspire and spark and edify and build up and uh, even release the people of this church in the things of the Spirit today in Jesus' name. God, that this would be a new the beginning of a new chapter, God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. God, even now, I want to open this up to the brothers and sisters in this place. First of all, to those who are here who say, I've actually never received forgiveness of sins, I've never yes. turned to Christ, and received the gift of eternal life of forgiveness of sins and eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ (laughs) if that's you today in this place I want you to just put your hand up if you're here and you say I want to receive Jesus today I haven't done that part I want Christ today if there's anyone all right And now, those who are in this place who want the Holy Spirit, I'm going to say even now, in G- that there is a work of the Holy Spirit that yeah. we need to sort of step over the threshold and say, "Yes, God, I want to be immersed. I want the fullness of the Spirit." And it's not going to just—I'm not going to just drift into it. I've got to open up and ask. And you said, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and ask in faith? So if that's you today and you want the baptism of the Spirit... Ryan's going to put on music. We're going to dismiss. So if you need to go, you can. And then I'm going to have a ask uh, Pastor Mel, Dave, uh, Serena, Evelyn, if you'd come. A few people to come and pray if you want to be prayed for by a woman. Um, Tracy and Serena and Evelyn are going to be over here to my left. Um, you can come there and receive prayer if if you uh, need the Holy Spirit and you know it and something's prompting you now, come forward as, uh, as we pray in Jesus' name. Perhaps, Beth, if you wouldn't mind uh, joining them as well to pray. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you God. God bless you if you need to go. God give you grace. And do keep praying this even all week, even if, if this is something you're not staying for. And for the rest of you, where God's stirring, come forward right away. Don't, don't hesitate. There's no need to. We're a church family. Just come forward and get prayer. Amen.
2: Some are going to come because there's a hunger in your heart. But I want to remind the church that this is a promise from God. And in this day that we're living, Pastor John, Pastor Dave, there are many voices. Every voice spoken in the world has a purpose. But God has the ability to choose the words that are filling this area. And He knows which ones are right. He knows which ones are godly. As Pastor Dave and as Pastor John has said, the Word of God established everything that is and God has given us a word to speak by the Holy Spirit and our God's promise is that those prayers have the creative ability of a Creator working God so we need the Holy Spirit and we need it in this church and if you have that hunger Come to the promises of the Lord. Only God can make those promises. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands up, Brother John, again. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to hear us. I don't think we really are hungry enough for the Lord. Pray for us, Pastor John. Amen.
1: Thank you. Father, we do ask for a hunger to be stirred. Lord, if we're complacent, it's the Holy Spirit who even helps us overcome that, and we ask you for it today in the name of Jesus. Where we've been contented with just partial things and just a little uh, sort of sprinkling, we ask for a greater desire, a deeper desire, Lord, um, a desperation in Jesus' name. Would you grant it now in Jesus' name as we come? Go ahead and come. Go ahead and come. Come forward. Amen.